finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information. This is The Jerry Callahan Show. Excited. I'm aroused, Ironhead, I will admit. Uh, I feel like a child, but uh, a man, a, a 46-year-old man, a man who we know is a really bad husband and not much of a father, but a hell of a golfer, is uh, teeing it up tomorrow in Augusta, Georgia, and I am going to sit uh, riveted uh, to my television. Uh, he's playing with Louis Oosthuizen, and I hope he makes the cut. I'm I find out I, I find Thursday and Friday to be fascinating for one reason to see how Tiger grinds it out. I don't think he has a shot at winning. I'm looking at the odds right in front of me. He's f- plus five thousand. He's the same as Bryson DeChambeau, Russell Henley, uh, some guy named Corey Connors, Adam Scott. Uh, um, that is a sucker bet. I'm sure the bookies are thrilled that people will be putting their money down on Tiger. Cause let's be honest, he's not going to win. He doesn't have to win. It is not about winning. It's about gutting it out. You know what? It, you know what? I find the most impressive thing. The most, uh, the most exciting thing is that he could easily take a pass, a normal guy, you or me or whatever, or, uh, you know, Russell Henley in the physical condition that Tiger's in would take a pass would say, you know, I gave it a shot. Because those kind of guys, normal people think, I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to shoot 80. I don't want to struggle. I don't want to limp. I don't want to get beaten by a bunch of schmucks. Tiger doesn't think like that. Tiger yesterday was asked, do you think you can win the Masters? And his answer was simple. It was two words. He said, I do. I do. And you know what? I believe it. He thinks if he can go out there, it's almost like, uh, you know, playing poker, he could stare down the other guy and, and, and they would melt in his presence the way they have in the past. So he figures I'm going to go out there and shock the world. He's that cocky. There's very few athletes who have that kind of confidence who at 46, who haven't played around in 17 months, who suffered a, uh, a serious leg injury in that car crash is lucky to be alive he was in a wheelchair for a while. He was on crutches. He didn't play. He couldn't walk. There was, uh, most people just figured he's done. It's over. He can never compete again. It's sad. It's a sad way to end it, but it's over. And now he's not only back, but he's teeing it up at the masters where he's won five times. He's plays he's provided us so much entertainment in, uh, in his days at Augusta. And he's back, and there'll be a camera on him. Do you realize only a few years ago they didn't have any cameras on the front nine? It was one of those stupid Augusta rules, like you have to call the back nine, the second nine. You have to call the fans, the gallery. You can't call them crowd. We know Gary McCord was banned for life for saying the greens were so slick they have been bikini waxed. The, the, (laughs) uh, the, The lords of Augusta, 
didn't like that. And McCord hasn't been back since you can't, you must follow their rules, which I used to think was kind of pompous and annoying. And then I realized they present the best TV product. When you're watching this weekend, just understand that there will be four minutes of commercials max. That's like, you know, for a a football game or a, a normal golf tournament, that's like, you know, 20 minutes worth. This is in four minutes per hour. It's hard to DVR it because there are few, so few breaks, which is what makes it so great. But now they have cameras all over the place. They have uh, improved the TV presentation immensely. And we will get to see Tiger tee off. We'll get to see him on the front nine. We'll get to see him on the second nine for two days at least, unless he limps off, which will be awful. And we'll get to see him grind out a whatever, hopefully a you know, 70, 71, 73, whatever it takes to make the cut. I'm going to be realistic here and say he can't win. He won't win. But if he makes the cut and he has a good Saturday and his name is on the board anywhere on Sunday, I will be unusually, unnaturally aroused. I will be, I, I will not take my eyes off him. He's one of those guys. It doesn't matter who else is in the room. It, it could be, oh, I don't know, the president of the United States. If Tiger's in the room, nobody's going to pay attention to the president of the United States because he's that kind of figure. Somebody once described Clint Eastwood and his uh, ability as a leading man. It, says, it doesn't matter what scene he's in, your eyes are drawn to him. He could be in a scene with... 10 other guys in a, in a, in a Western, or it could be in a scene with a monkey or a orangutan. It doesn't matter. Your eyes are always drawn to Clint Eastwood. And I would say that applies to, you know, some big stars. It applies to you know, Mel Gibson applies to uh, um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Maybe, maybe Mark Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, your, your eyes are drawn to certain guys. They just have a certain, uh, charisma, a certain duende, and Tiger would be top of that list. And the amazing thing is that he's he's had so many ups and downs. There's been a half a dozen times where you said he's done, including when he had the, uh, you know, when he when he hit the tree and we found out the truth about his life and what a what a friggin' hound he was and he was banging everything. And, and and cheating on his wife and lying about his family life. And he was on the cover of every magazine and the, the cameras caught him at sex rehab. How embarrassing could you be? He was at a sex rehab clinic and I forget who it was TMZ or, or, or in New York post got photos of him kind of slinking around the, the, the yard at the sex rehab clinic. He got out, he apologized, you know, to his mother, to his wife, he said he was going to embrace um, uh, his religion, uh, Buddhism. And what happened the first time he teed it up? Somebody hired a plane to go over the first tee as he's about to hit and said, Tiger uh, goes back to Buddhism. Booty. <laughs> the humil- humiliation was complete. It's not possible to be more humiliated than Tiger was. And I enjoyed it. I thought he deserved to be humiliated. But you know what he did? He he powered through it. He came back from it, which I respect. I, I love seeing a guy pay a price and, and come back. You know, pay a, pay a steep price 
for his transgressions and come back. And he's done it many times. He did it from that. He did it from, uh, from the arrest when he was stumbling around, arrested for drunk driving. It turns out he had no alcohol in his system, just lots of drugs, lots of drugs. And uh, he got, he got busted on camera, slurring his words. That's pretty humiliating. Then he had a back injury where he couldn't play. And you said, he'll never come back from that and a knee injury. And he came back from everything. And now he's 46 and he's playing in the most, uh, uh, the most, the, the greatest tournament. I mean, just the most historic tournament. He's coming back at 46, the aged Jack Nicholas was when he won for the last time in dramatic fashion. And I know I'd watch anyway. I know I love this tournament. I know it's great TV, but I can't think of anything that could make it more intense, more riveting. And, uh, I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't take that bet. I think it's a sucker's bet. I don't even want the, if he can bet that he will make the cut. I'm sure you can. I should check with my, uh, you know, friends at Barstool. Uh, call Minahan, see what the odds are for him making the cut. He's a big Barstool, what do they call Barstool uh, Casino or Barstool? Sportsbook. Barstool Sportsbook. See what the odds are for her Tiger making the cut. I haven't decided whether I would make that bet, but I know I will not take my eyes off it. We're, it's just one of those times where I, I, I mentioned this the other day. I said, if you're not a sports fan, what do you do this weekend when I am sitting there in just, uh, uh, again, just mesmerized by this incredible athlete, this incredible performer, and it's got nothing to do with his you know physical ability. It's got nothing to do with his, uh, his swing. <clears throat> it's all about his mental toughness. I find, you know, mental toughness to be, just the one thing that you, that draws you in that you can't get enough of watching a guy who is not normal, normal people let doubts creep in. Normal people wonder what happens if I, you know, put this one in the water. What happens if I, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, push this pot pack six feet and three putt and embarrass myself. He doesn't think that way, which is amazing. I mean, he's, I know he was, I, I know everything about him. I know how he was raised. I know his, both his parents are just absolutely awful human beings. They, he was raised by terrible people, which is why he didn't turn out to be the greatest guy or the greatest father or the greatest husband. Because the example, these, these terrible people set, and I've talked about it many times over the years, is a great unauthorized biography <clears throat> uh, by Jeff Benedict and, uh, uh, the other guy, I forget his name, but uh, just called Tiger. That's so good. Uh, Armin Katayan, um, where they talk about how his parents, they, they would hire a golf coach for him when he was a little kid and they would stiff the guy and they would not pay him and say, you're just lucky. We let you teach our son. And they would just, they, he had a girlfriend. He was in college. He was in love and they made him dump her because she wasn't good for his you know career. <laughs> They just, they were just awful parents, but they made this monster, you know, they made this, 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 this robot, this guy just built, just made, just raised to dominate golf. And he's done that. And at the same time, you know, he's embarrassed his wife, his kids, his, his, you know, his brand, Uh, but it doesn't matter. All that matters now is that he has to tee it up with the best players in the world and he tries, has to uh, try to, to beat them on a course where he's won five times. Uh, and we're going to watch every move. It's not it, it, the thing that I like about golf the best is they can't hide. They have no teammates. 
They don't have face masks. You look right in their eyes and you get to see if they're melting down. You get to see if they're affecting, if the pressure's affecting them. Hell, we saw it last week. It was just some, I don't even know, Texas Valero Open. And there was a couple of guys in contention on Sunday, the final few holes that just blew up. Uh, Bo Hostler was one and just started hitting it sideways. And there's no ex- uh, explanation other than the pressure. The pressure is immense. It's there. It's hanging over their heads. And you can see it sometimes just ruin guys and their knees buckle and they just can't make the shot. Tiger is the best. I guess the co-best. I'll say Tom Brady and Tiger Woods, the best, the two best ever under immense pressure. And I'm not talking just a little pressure on a Sunday. I'm talking the most pressure you can have on a guy that would be on a Sunday at the masters or maybe a Sunday at the Ryder cup or at the Sunday at the super bowl. These guys love it. Love it. I I always go back to the quote from my friend, uh, Brad Faxon, and he was in a tournament. It was a Sunday. He was nervous. He was playing with Greg Norman and he was getting ready to putt and his hand was shaking and Faxon said to uh, Norman, look at this, my hand's shaking. And, and Norman's answer was, yeah, don't you love it? And that's, I'm not sure if that's sincere because Greg Norman is famous for choking at the Masters. But he won plenty. He won Masters. He won many tournaments. So he obviously came through in the clutch many times. But there are very few guys that feel the pressure, see their hands shaking, their heart racing, and love it. They say, this is why I play. Well, that would be one Eldrick Tiger Woods. He would, if this, if he were healthy last week and could have played, there's not a chance in the world he would play at the Valero Texas Open. Doesn't do it for him. Doesn't excite him. Doesn't get his heart racing. Well, the Masters does. And maybe, you know, he won't play again. Maybe he won't play in the U.S. Open or play in the British Open, but he will play in this, the best tournament of them all. He will play tomorrow. He'll play Friday. Unless, you know, he limps off, but Again, it's been 17 months since he played. It's been um, 14 months, I believe, 14 months since he uh, went uh, across, you know, about six lanes in the median strip and <laughs> crashed his Genesis SUV, his courtesy car. You can see the wreck. It still says right on the side, you know, courtesy of Genesis. Um, but he was going, I believe, you know, 85 miles an hour in like a 35-mile-an-hour zone. And some people, I, I know Shaughnessy in, in the Boston Globe has written this and other people, and they they say he uh, uh, got away with it. He got away with something because he was clearly speeding, driving recklessly, was not cited, uh, has never, I don't think, been asked a lot of questions about it. And you know what? <laughs> That's, I guess, the privilege of being Tiger. He didn't die. He didn't kill anyone. He didn't, uh, you know, he wrecked his own car. He got away with it. I, I, I guess that's the privilege of being a superstar. But you know what? If, if you hate Tiger, you might have, and there are plenty of people who don't like him, you might have your chance in the next two days to watch him humiliate himself. I don't think if he's, if it's really going bad, like if he shoots like 82 tomorrow, I think he'll, uh, he'll pull up lame and say the leg mm-hmm. just, you know, I just can't handle the hills. Uh, and he will, uh, he will bail, you know, he'll, uh, tap out. Uh, and I, I won't, I assume it will be a problem. The leg, he has not played. He has not walked Augusta. Uh, he was, he'll, he'll tell you, he says it all the time that they, he almost lost the leg. They almost had to amputate below the knee. So it was some serious 
injury that he got in that accident. And if he does struggle tomorrow, I think he will uh, say, sorry, can't go, can't do it on Friday, and that'll be too bad. The uh, the odds for him to make and miss the cut are both minus 115. Really? So it's an even, mm-hmm. wow. Make or miss the cut. I would love to know what the uh, serious gamblers, the people who don't, uh, who don't get emotional, what they, what they think. I think I would go with make the cut just because that's how I'm rooting and I want to root and I'm not going to bet a lot. But if you were betting a lot, which would you do? Would you go make, make or miss? Um, yeah, I'm going to keep it realistic and think he, he's going to win the tournament by three strokes. This, there's no chance he's going to win. The, I'd love to you know play along with you, but there's no chance he's going to win. <laughs> if you need if a bookie, I am in New sun- Hampshire, by the way. What's that? I said, if you do need a bookie, I am in New Hampshire and can bet online. Oh, that's true. If they have... Um, if they have the like the leaderboard, like ten people on Sunday, say at early Sunday noontime, and he's on it, that will do for the ratings. That'll be like the 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 Will Smith slap times ten. The ratings will will jump exponentially if he's just in the picture. Because what Tiger does is bring in the non golf fans, the non sports fans, the you know the the the, the woman. You know, in the kitchen, she's preparing dinner, and the guy's watching golf. She comes in the room and starts watching if Tiger is in the hunt. You know what she does? She comes in. My wife will probably do that. Come in and say, "What? What? Where is it? What's happening? Is he going to win?" You know, it'll be like they have no idea what's going on. But there he is, wearing red, which is one of the cockier things in <laughs> anyone has ever done in sports. Wearing red just in case. He prevails. Uh, the story behind that is he was told as a young guy by Sports Illustrated that red is the best color for him to wear to make the cover. So every Sunday, you know, since he was a kid, he's worn red. Uh, just in case he wins, and he's win, won many times. I believe it's uh, 82. One more win, I believe, to break Byron Nelson's record for wins. Four more wins to become the uh, to to break Jack Nicholas's win record for uh, majors, I believe. So it would be great if he were healthy, strong, in contention, and uh, and not only not only uh, in contention this week, but you know set up for you know contending in the U.S. Open and the British Open and everything else. If he were to recover from the uh, from the leg injury and be the old Tiger, will be wonderful. Uh, and it's got nothing to do with him as a guy. Nothing got nothing to do with him as a as a father, or a husband, or a human being. I mean, he we see him with his son. We see him playing in that father son thing. He looks like a good father. He's got a new girlfriend. She's kind of small and and plain looking. So he's not chasing around. Doesn't appear to be running after strippers anymore. Uh, maybe he's found the Lord. I don't know. Maybe he's uh, following Buddhism. Yeah, like he, he promised he would. He would have beaten uh, Jack's record by now if he kept that going, I think. If he kept what going? If he if the booty? Uh, yeah. yeah. he's won he's won 82 times. Crazy. On the PGA Tour, 41 times on the European Tour. It seemed that uh one he's won the Masters 5 times as I said last time in 2019, which is one of the great sporting events of all time. He's won everything a million times. There's I mean he's the greatest ever, I know. Some people still say Jack Nicholas, but I don't think so. Uh, I think uh, 15 majors. Um, the thing that's so impressive about Tiger is the field. The golf is so much harder to win now than it was in Jack's day or Arnie's day or Byron Nelson's day. These are the best players in the world. I don't think Byron Nelson 
had to beat a lot of guys from, uh, you know, India or, uh, or even, you know, Australia or South Africa or Japan. These are the best in the world. And it, it is amazing. If you ever play with a, like a good player or see a good player, I mean, I've played with Faxon. I've played with, you know, like, uh, a guy who, uh, another guy I knew who was on the Canadian tour, he's played some on the PGA tour and it, it just looks like he's the greatest player ever. It looks like they have every shot. They hit it a mile, they putt, they chip and they have nowhere close to the best in the world. Nowhere close. Tiger goes against the best in the world and wins an insane amount of times. I think he'll win again. I'm just not sure it'll be this masters. Uh, he'll just be some miracle win in the next two years. Uh, that, uh, that will shock the world, but it just feels like you haven't played in any, in whatever sport it is, you haven't played in 17 months and you just step up and play. I don't think, you know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, said about playing quarterback in the NFL, Colin Kaepernick can't step in there after five years without getting hit or smacked or having this uh, deal with the speed, uh, you know, real game time speed. I can't imagine him stepping in and uh, and winning and succeeding and and I hope he hope he gets a chance. I'll be almost ex- excited to watch uh, Kaepernick play as I am to watch Tiger play. I'll be rooting against Kaepernick, of course, hoping he falls on his face. Uh, but uh, it'd be great to see him play. It'd be great to watch him attempt his comeback. Um, I have the uh, what, what do you have the odds are, are the odds to win in front of you? Because I have. 45 to one in one of these, uh, sports books, I got 50 to one. I can't believe, I mean, I guess that, that, that is a little tempting if you're just a casual fan and you want to put down whatever, 20 or 50 bucks, but there really is, uh, no chance in my mind that he won wins. John Rahm is the favorite followed by Justin Thomas, Cameron Smith. That's my pick. You know, he's boring. I'm going to pick Cam Smith to win. Do I get to pick two or three or, or just one? What are you going to give me? You can do whatever you want. I'll give you my three. I'll give you my three. It would be, wow, Colin Marikawa is, my, is plus 2,200. He's so good. He is so good. I'm going to pick Colin Marikawa. I, you know, I can't just pick the top three. You can't pick John Rahm or Justin Thomas. I'll pick Cam Smith, Colin Marikawa, and uh, do I want to pick one long shot? Do you think Louis Oosthuizen's going to handle, going to be able to handle playing with Tiger? for two rounds, that would be something. I'll pick him too. Louis Houston, who's pretty clutch. He's a major winner, very smooth. I'll say that he uh, outplays Tiger for the first two days, makes the cut, and is in contention on Sunday. But uh, they have those like old guys still play who don't uh, – they they stopped letting the really old guys play. They still have Sandy Lyle. He's 100 to 1 or is it 1,000 to 1? Oh, it's 1,000 to 1. Tigers, well, Tigers' odds to win are it's it keeps fluctuating between plus thirty five hundred and plus seventy five hundred. But but I don't even understand that. Why? Why? What's happening? He's. Uh, I don't know. This is uh, the New York Post. They have all his odds. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, I'm looking at uh, like all kinds of one. weird. I'm looking at some weird. Uh, weird, uh, what do you call it, proposition bets, guys versus other guys, and I don't even know, what's a group betting, group betting odds? They do a um, lot of, um, they'll, what they'll do now is for each pairing, they'll do who's going to win the pair. 
which is kind of fun. Oh, right, right, right. I got it. I mean, I'm not, uh, not a, not a big guy. I got, I'm going to be next fall. I promise I'm going to become a degenerate and I'm, we're going to make picks every, every week. I'm in. I can get, I can get into betting on golf and football. Uh, that's, that's, I mean, I will, we'll definitely do it next uh, fall. We're going to make our NFL picks and we're going to, you know, we're going to go to the barstool sports book, wherever it is. Where's, do they actually exist around here anywhere? Uh, no, I have to use their competitor. It's the only one that's legally allowed in New Hampshire right now. Really? Well, yeah. you know, I'm sure it's busy because Massachusetts is the most backwards ass place in America. And, and the, uh, our elected officials are a okay watching people drive to Rhode Island and Connecticut, New Hampshire, and spend their hard-earned money. Uh, I know the Encore Casino, which I uh, go by a lot. Sometimes I just walk through and people watch. Uh, they have it all set up and ready to go. Because mm-hmm. see, uh, a big room with big TVs. It's awesome. I think they have like Baccarat tables in there now, just waiting for the green light. They've been waiting, you know, two years for the green light. But there are the our state is so screwed up that they will not allow people to gamble because you know that would be bad. That would be bad. You walk down the street lighting up a joint and smoking weed and doing whatever, but you can't, you know, put twenty bucks on Tiger to win the Masters. That would be wrong. All right, we got other things to get to. Even though I admit I'm uh, distracted, distracted, just waiting, watching Tiger. I don't know why. When I was a kid, I didn't care about golf on TV. I would never spend a minute. I think it has something to do with the high def and then just the personalities and, and, and the fact that I play and I like it. It uh, Other than football, other than the uh, NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl, nothing's better. Nothing is better than the Masters. And if you don't agree, there's something wrong with you. That's the way I look at it. But, Stanley Cup playoffs is up there. Uh, you know, if it's tied in the third period in uh, the last 10 minutes, if it's tied. But I don't like the NHL anymore because I just found out it's racist. I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah. I just, I was just reading you some of this story before we started recording. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. The guy's name is Ian Kennedy, a writer for Yahoo, a sports writer for Yahoo. And he has a piece and it's long. It's probably, I don't know, uh, you know, probably 1500 words on why the NFL is, I mean, the NHL is racist and I'll sum it up. <clears throat> they allow fighting. Mm-hmm. So if you allow fighting, that means, I don't even understand how you make the hook from, you allow white guys to fight. Um, yeah, it, it just, I'll do it quickly. He says, fighting has been outlawed in other leagues, including the NFL and NBA, while in the NHL it's accepted and encouraged. Similarly, in media and fandom, athletes who fight in the NFL and NBA are villainized. While in the NHL, they're canonized. <laughs> I'm not sure. He knows what canonized means. You canonize fighters in the NHL. I'm not sure Lyndon Byers, my friend Lyndon Byers, or my friend uh, you know, Chris Nyland were ever canonized. The analysis of fighting in these leagues shows a more significant divergence. In the NBA and NHL, fighting is portrayed as a sign of something societal an issue to be solved in the NHL. It's glorified as noble as a sign of someone, of someone has upstanding character in support of their team. There you go. LB you've got upstanding character. The NHL, unlike the NFL and NBA is a predominantly white league, which benefits from white privilege. This is a Yahoo sports writer. 
Hockey's whiteness insulates the NHL from criticism of the violence inherent in traditional hockey culture. Media's inequitable coverage of fighting in these leagues entrenches white supremacist systems aimed at upholding power imbalances. Oh, God. Is there anything? Is there anything these woke a-holes just won't ruin? Um, I mean, obviously, people have talked, we've talked for years about hockey, should they, uh, fighting, should there be hockey and fighting? My answer is always go to a game in person. I occasionally go, I probably go to more games than I watch on TV, sit in the stands of a boring game and then watch as a fight breaks out and then ask, then ask the question, gee, why does the league allow fighting? It's like the highlight of the night for everybody, kids, women, old people, hockey fanatics, hockey, you know, casual fans. It's just an exciting part of the game. It's brutal. It's, it's savage. But the reason they don't outlaw it is because the fans love it. Can you imagine making the comparison, NHL to NBA, thinking, gee, why don't they allow fighting in the NBA? Do you remember <laughs> that? Do you remember that Bruins um, Canadians game when there was like eight people in the box because they kept getting into fights right after another in a blowout? It was a few I don't years know when, ago. When was that? Yeah. Yeah. It was the most exciting game I've watched in I don't know how long. And it was just fight after fight. It was great. It's, it's, it's I mean, and I, I used to go to a lot of college hockey games and, uh, and they don't have fighting. In fact, they used to, they used to have fighting in college hockey like 40 years ago, but they don't. And it's a great game. It's exciting. But this, you could see what happens when there's no fighting. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of hitting that wouldn't uh, go unanswered. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with a lot of aggression that would be answered in the NHL with a punch in the face. But anyway, I mean, you could disagree. You could say, I don't like fighting, but I never, ever thought the reason they should not love fighting is because it's racist or it's not. I don't even know. And this guy, Ian Kennedy goes on. He talks about a fight between uh, a couple of players and says in the predominantly white NHL, in case you forgot, Two paragraphs ago, he said it was a white league. Now, it reminds you, in the predominantly white NHL, it was just another game. Even within a single weekend of the NHL schedule, parallel acts were given varying consequences. And he talks about this guy, Beagle. Is that how you say his name? Beagle? Is that his actually? Uh, Looks that way. Um, uh, he talks about Jay Beagle um, of the uh, Arizona Coyotes, veteran Jay Beagle. And uh, Beagle uh, committed a penalty. He got two minutes for cross-checking, five minutes for fighting, and a 10-minute misconduct totaling 17 minutes. Two days later, in defense of a hit against a teammate, New Jersey Devils defender P.K. Subban, who is black, fought New York Islanders forward uh, Oliver Wallstrom. Subban was assessed two minutes for instigating, five minutes for fighting, a 10-minute misconduct instigator penalty and another 10-minute misconduct for being the aggressor. Only Beagle's act caused an injury. So he's comparing the penalties Subban got. Subban, who's a star and a personality. So good. People like him, and he's good. And, I mean, the, the idea that he was penalized more severely because he's black is just so silly. I mean, don't these friggin' people have editors? Don't they have anything else to write? The NHL... Not only was Subban more penalized, his opponent, his opponents hinted at retribution. Islanders head coach Barry Trotz alluded following the game, says Subban was very fortunate he got kicked out of the game. What? Because 
if he didn't, they were going to get him, you know, because he's black. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is, the, this is a sickness. This is a sickness in the brains of these woke sports writers. They're as bad as the friggin' people on MSNBC or NBC or at the Washington Post or the New York Times or the Boston Globe. Uh, and then it goes into this whole thing about how the NBA came up with a, with a uh, dress code. This was a few years ago because they thought people that they were dressing, you know, kind of shabbily on, on road trips. And Phil Jackson, you know, noted right-wing zealot, said the players have been dressing in prison garb. All that stuff that goes on, it's like gangster thuggery stuff. Whoa. That's, that was a few years ago. Can't do that anymore. And it talks about how uh, uh, they made him. Uh, oh, by the way, he talks about comparisons to the Harlem Globetrotters. That's racist. If you compare a team to the Globetrotters, somebody said that they were hot-dogging in an NHL game. They were like the Globetrotters. That's racist. So comparisons to the Globetrotters, which often at times are are uh, positive, you know, you're, you, you get ball, you move the ball, you got great skills, you win every game. Pretty good. Who's a racist to compare someone to the, uh, he goes on, this thing goes on and on and on about how they would never allow fighting in the NHL if there were more black players. But I wasn't going to spend a lot of time on that. It's more woke nonsense, but it is kind of funny. It is kind of comical to see the links they will go to, to inject themselves, sports writers, hockey writers, inject themselves into this woke cultural battle. Look at me. I can come up with something racist. <laughs> no one else can. Look at me. Fighting in the NHL is racist. All right, we got much more to get to. I got to talk about uh, my new friend, my new friend. I mentioned uh, her yesterday. I stumbled across a cancel student debt rally that featured strippers. And I thought the stripper I saw, I watched, I videotaped, I tweeted about was, uh, I didn't know her name, put it that way. And now I do because she reached out to me and I'm going to, let me just tease it by saying she fooled me. She fooled me. I said, should I say he fooled me? I don't know. I'll get to that and I'll get to the uh, most embarrassing Biden moment yet, which is hard to believe. It's saying the same thing about Kamala, the most embarrassing moment yet. And a disturbing video from Madonna, Madonna, the 63-year-old Madonna. I'm just going to say, not aging well. And uh, an update on Amber Athey, the woman we talked about yesterday, was fired from a radio show in Baltimore for allegedly making a joke about Kamala. Not really why she was fired, but she made an appearance on Tucker Carlson last night to, to explain it, and she did amazing. She was great. And she is not going quietly, which I love. I love this woman. I told you I want to get her on. I want to offer a job. I want her to be my co-host. She is feisty, and she is fighting back, and I just love it. But first, <clears throat> let me tell you about our first our first product. This is it. We're launching a uh, our own coffee brand. Maybe you heard. I heard one of those barstool guys did a whole show about it. Who was it? Was it Big Cat? Was it Big Cat? Or was it... Uh, uh, what's the chick, the, the, the two girls, two chicks dishing. Oh, you know, chicks the, in the office or call uh, her daddy. Oh, call her daddy. daddy. Was it one of the call her daddy chicks? Yeah. 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 Was yeah. it? Oh, good. Yeah. We got a big hey. boost. Hey, I, any, anyone wants to publicize it for us, promote it for us. I'm all in. 
<clears throat> we want to make sure our first product, we wanted to make sure we did it the right way. So we partnered with a local roaster in Waltham to create a custom blend of coffee specified to our liking. After testing mul- multiple samples, we settled, settled on one blend that we know you, our listeners, are going to love. We love it. I think um, I think uh, Ironhead drinks more of it than anybody so far. How much did you get so far? Are you running out? I'm running out, but I think I'm getting replenished in the next couple are of days. You, are you? I'm waiting for it to be replenished. By the way, on the website, <clears throat> you can order the coffee. You can also order a Bug the Chug mug to drink the coffee in. And you can order the little cups. What do we call these? They're not uh, ref- refillable K cups. Refillable. I'm not sure that isn't K a certain kind of cup. Anyway, refillable, kind of like K cups. So you get these things. They're empty. They're plastic. And if you have a K cup machine, a Keurig, you could put the cup in there with the Callahan coffee in it. So you don't have to make a whole pot. But if you make a whole pot, you can drink it all in one sitting, which is what Ironhead likes to do. Sure do. Uh, But this stuff is great. It combines beans from three continents to create a unique natural coffee flavor, rich with chocolate and sweet with caramel taste notes. Have you noticed the taste notes yet? Oh, yeah. Very sweet. I like it. Have you? Very long. There are. Yeah. Yeah. You can go online. You can get that. You can get yourself a Bug the Chug mug. Get yourself a Bug the Chug shirt, too, if you'd love we love coffee here at the Callahan Show, and we know you do too. So this is a great way to support us while getting a product that you know you want. You know you're going to love. Go to CallahanCoffee.com. Simple, CallahanCoffee.com, and click the link in our social media bios to order your coffee today. All right, let's do uh, my pillow, and then I'm going to tell you about my new friend, Angel. Today's Callahan show is sponsored by MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com and use code word Jerry for huge discounts. For example, you can get the standard MyPillow, which is normally $69.98 for only $19.98 with code word Jerry. I'd call that a huge discount. MyPillow is made in the USA and it comes with a 10-year warranty. It's machine washable and dryable. It's the most comfortable pillow you will ever sleep on. Makes an excellent gift. Get it now. And you can support this show and you can strike back against cancel culture. As you know, like us, Mike Lindell is constantly under attack from the cancel culture mob. By purchasing from MyPillow, not only are you helping this show, you're fighting back against cancel culture. MyPillow isn't in the big box stores anymore, so you can get factory direct pricing if you order from MyPillow.com using code word Jerry. Right, as I mentioned yesterday, I was uh, strolling around the city, went by the state house. I saw a protest, you know, just wondering what they were protesting. I walked by. Uh, here's the video. If you're watching with us on locals uh, right in front of the state house, a lot of signs, a lot of people sitting around. No surprise. These are deadbeats who don't want to pay their pay off their college loans. These are Ayanna Presley's people, Liz, Liz Warren's people. They took out loans. They went to college. They got a useless degree. And now they want the taxpayers. They want the hardworking uh, taxpayers, lot, many of whom didn't go to college, couldn't afford to go to college, decided to go out and earn a living. Lots of people out there, as I pointed out, they're, they're right now, they're roofing and they're paving and they're painting and they're fixing your uh, radiator or whatever. Those guys, they have to pay the debts for these deadbeats, you know, who took out big loans and, and went to Wesleyan and got a degree in art history. Anyway, We've discussed that, that the absurdity of uh, canceling student debt in the past. Uh, Biden has already kicked that down, the, kicked the can down the road to August. He's going to eventually cave to the crazies, the kook fringe crazies like Presley and Warren. 
but for now it's an issue and they have this protest and I say, well, I'll go, maybe there'll be a speaker. I, I like to check it out while I'm walking by and uh, I'll give them credit. They didn't uh, mess around with just speakers. They wanted to get people there, get a crowd, get some interest. So they had strippers. And this was the one I saw. I videotaped her. She came up real close to me. I got a good look at her. And you and others said, are you sure that's that's a woman? Are you sure that's a biological woman? I said, sure, looks like it. I mean, she moves like it. She looks like it. She came up to me or came up near me. And I and I said, yeah, just it's a big woman. But So I tweeted it. By the way, when I was leaving, uh, there was two other strippers waiting to go on after Angel, and they were not women. They were not biological women, and it was obvious, and, uh, they, you know, one of them looked, oddly enough, like Shannon Sharp. It was weird, but anyway, <laughs> they had to wait. She was the big star, so I tweeted, what did I tweet here? I said, you know, give her credit. Nothing wrong with paying off your loans and singles. She did make a bunch of money. People were throwing $1 bills at her, and, uh, you know, I gave her credit for working hard. So she tweets back at me yesterday. It says, damn, I look good. I hope you better have tipped. Okay, you better have tipped, Gary. <laughs> and her name is uh, The Angel. Tangway was there too. <laughs> uh, they, I didn't, I'm sorry, The Angel, I didn't tip. Um, it, her uh, Twitter handle is Chanel The Angel. So I guess Chanel, I call her Angel. So she tweets at me. I click on the bio. It says, trans with a trans flag, Boston drag performer and actor. I'm telling you, I mean, I wasn't shocked to the bone, but I was surprised. I was sort of surprised. I, you know, people asked me, I said, she had big, beautiful, you know, breasts. You know, she was, didn't look like someone who just changed her gender, you know, 10 minutes ago. Um, she pulled it off. I guess that's the goal, right? Well, she fooled me. I didn't look too closely. I wasn't zeroed in on, you know, like Leah Thomas in the bathing suit when everyone was trying to figure out how it all fit. I didn't do that, but I was shocked. Uh, I shouldn't say shocked. I was surprised. I was surprised. So she tweets at me and I tweeted back and saying, well, you fooled me. And uh, I gave her credit again for, for working hard. She uh, tweeted back at me something about student debt and don't prejudge the people. They work hard. They're in a tough spot. And I'm like, I, to me, I don't even want to have the debate. You took out the loan. You want to blame somebody? Blame the colleges for ripping you off. Blame Liz Warren for perpetuating the system where colleges can charge you anything for these worthless degrees. And society kind of encourages you to take out these loans, blame the people. I don't know if your parents, your friends, your guidance counselors who told you to go to a private college that costs 200,000 something to get your degree when you knew your degree in sociology was going to be worthless. You're a fool. You're a sucker, but it's not the fault, you know, of the guy, you know, fixing your car. That guy shouldn't have to pay for your mistake. No, no, Sooner should that happen, then you should pay his car loan or his mortgage. When, when did we have the cancel car loan rally? Why are these privileged few who got the chance to go to these elite schools to get degrees, why are they the ones for whom we're going to cancel debt? Why shouldn't it be people who overextended themselves on a mortgage or on a car loan? It's just insanity to think these privileged few, 
again, these are the, the, uh, these are the haves, the have nots are the people who couldn't afford college, or maybe they were forced to go to community college and commute and work at night and get their associate and work their way up. That person who had responsibility, who took responsibility, who had discipline is now going to be stuck with the tab for these deadbeats who went to private schools, elite schools, got worthless degrees, overextended themselves. So do you realize that AOC, one of the reasons she's demanding this is because she doesn't want to pay her student loans. She went to BU, got a degree in economics, believe it or not, I believe. She now makes 170 grand. She could make a lot more if she writes a book or makes speeches. She's probably making hundreds of thousands of dollars now and look, and she'll be making millions when she leaves Congress in 40 years, she'll be worth a hundred million dollars. And she wants you Ironhead, to pay her student loans off. I think she has, I don't know, 30,000 left or something. Obviously BU is one of the biggest scams. It's 75 grand. And, and how good a school could it be if she graduated from it? I mean, let's be honest. Uh, if, if you give her a degree, it's not a real school. It's one of those places where you, want to tell your friends, I got to be you. Same with Harvard, you know, same with, you know, all the Ivies, Brown. Oh yeah. I go to an Ivy league school. Really? You go to Brown? That doesn't count. I mean, and these are, these are great big scams. People tell you you have to go, Oh, you got into Brown. You have to go. Well, it doesn't cost a lot of money. Just take out loans. You know, Liz Warren is teaching one class at Harvard, making 400 grand screaming about how, the cost of college, the cost of a college degree is out of control. Gee, why do you think that is, Lizzie? Maybe because you have this this scam going where you allegedly teach one class and make 400 grand. And then when you get to Senate, you do everything you can to protect the racket that is Harvard with a $53 billion endowment. And you don't ever say, why don't we make Harvard pay? I mean, good poor kids, some of their grads are struggling. Why doesn't Harvard pay off some of this, cancel some of this debt? No, can't have that. It's up to the hardworking taxpayers to pick up the tabs for these deadbeats. But why'd you let me go off on that? You were on a roll. I I, didn't stop. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if I'll see my new friend Angel again on the streets of Boston, but she did put on a good show and she wasn't um, out there with her palms out trying to uh, get, she, she worked, she earned, she earned that, uh, that money she made, you know, $1 at a time, but she was working hard. Good for you, Angel. All right, let's talk about, uh, uh, let's, before we get to Madonna, we got to get to this, uh, this event at the, at the uh, White House. Again, I don't know who's advising Joe Biden. I don't know who's, you know, telling him who's behind the scenes, pulling the strings, but you should never have Barack Obama at the White House with you, Joe Biden. You should never. I mean, it's bad enough when you're alone. It's bad enough when you're with Kamala or Dr. Jill or whoever. I mean, it's bad enough that you're just uh, trying to read a teleprompter, trying to make it through an event. As we know, you struggle with that. Sometimes you stumble and bumble and tell all these makeups, made up all these stories about Big Mama in the truck. And sometimes you just take a knee for no reason. <laughs> Sometimes you just invariably, inevitably embarrass yourself. Well, when you bring back Obama, the guy we think is kind of pulling the strings and he makes it all about him. Uh, and he is in a room full of people who worship him. 
you're not going to, you're not going to look good by comparison. So they bring back Obama to brag about uh, Obamacare, which is uh, how you can brag about that's beyond me. But anyway, bring back Obama. He makes a speech. I think it was like 10 minutes long, mentions himself 33 times in this brief little speech. Biden goes up and pretends he was joking, but calls himself the vice president, not the president. And then they shake hands and schmooze and everybody, including, by the way, Kamala Harris and and, you know, whoever, senators, congressmen, they all fawn over uh, Obama. They are drawn to Obama like moths to a flame. And Biden, the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, is just left behind, just lost. He's just, I mean, just lost in the crowd. It's someone said it's like the quarterback of a high school team that stinks and he's at a party and the guy who played three years ago, who was a stud, you know, all state, went, you know, undefeated. He shows up at the party and the starting quarterback is suddenly just ignored. And it's one thing if you do that in private, but it, there's the, the, the video was viral of him wandering alone, of him looking around like, like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, just looking, where do I go? Who do I talk to? The most disrespectful part of this video is Kamala Harris by a long well, that's shot. Not, that's, I mean, that's true. Kamala Harris ignores Joe, and turns her back on Joe, and just fawns over Obama. They all worship Obama. And then Joe literally reaches out and puts his hand on Obama's shoulder like, come, talk to me. Do you have any doubt that Obama has zero respect for Biden? You can feel it oozing out of his pores. He, he does not respect his former vice president. He does not, he, he knows he's a dummy. He knows he's, he's senile. He knows he's totally overmatched. They put him in that position. He, I don't know if he feels guilty. I think he likes the fact that people pine long for the days of, of, uh, of Obama and, and wish he was still there. That's the, Obama loves that. Obama's the biggest narcissist of all time. Everything's about him. And he thinks that this moment is about him and Joe Biden's still just a, a bit player, still just an understudy, but it was embarrassing, uh, for Biden. And, uh, he was one of the funny ones. There's two, two, two other videos, one where he just wanders off by himself. And the other point where Obama is talking, Biden pulls out something to eat like a piece of candy out of his pocket in the middle of the speech. And just starts. I mean, it's like kid in church. Your father smacks your hands as it's church. Obama's talking, obviously all the people in the audience, they're all sycophants. They're all worshiping Obama and Obama pulls out like a piece of candy. Like, I don't know what it is, a, a Tootsie roll. or something. <laughs> This video is hilarious. He literally reaches out to like shake hands and there's nobody there. God, it's embarrassing. Being- the, the disrespect for everyone in his cabinet is crazy. They're all going over to Obama. Yeah, look at him surrounding Obama again, like the big stud, big man on campus coming back to school. You know, it's like, uh, look at that still shot. That is humiliating. Even, oh. I mean, I, I, I have no sympathy for Joe Biden for anything. He's a, I think he's a really bad guy, but that is, if that were a normal guy, you'd be really embarrassed for him. You'd feel for him. I do but, feel for him. Cause I feel like this is all Joe Biden's fault. He shouldn't be where he is. Well, I will say every day there's a better example of just what an awful spouse Jill Biden is that she put her husband in this position when you have an, an, um, a spouse in the throes of dementia, when you have a spouse who's frail and fragile and, and old and tired, your job is to make them comfortable, right. to make 
their life better, not to put them in situations like this where they'll be humiliated. She will go down as one of the worst first ladies because we know she gets off on this. She know, she doesn't care how, how uncomfortable, how embarrassing it is for her husband. She loves the power. She loves to be in the, in the White House. And she should be, they should be in their, one of their many mansions in Delaware. She should be in the, today, you know, on, on a chair in the front, watching the birds fly by and maybe taking a little walk on the beach with the, well, they, they wouldn't have a dog. They would, that's only a prop, but taking a walk on the beach, getting ice cream, which Joe loves going home, watching wheel of fortune, maybe have a nice cup of soup for dinner, getting to bed early. That should be what he's doing. If he had a spouse who cared about him, but he does not. Anyway, one more thing. We got to get to this. Let me do Shay. Let me do Shay. I got it here right in front of me and we'll do Shay. And we'll get to, <sighs> Madonna, and, and we'll ask the question, did we really used to find her attractive? <laughs> Some people age better than others. You know, look at me. Look at me. I'm not quite as old as a, uh, a Madonna, but some of us age better than others. Some of us just accept it. And Madonna, she just can't accept the fact that she's an old broad now. But uh, before we get to that, let me tell you about Shea and their huge selection of precast concrete steps ready to be installed in your home. If you're building a new home or remodeling or replacing an old staircase, Shea has great values with designs that will fit your home. You can go with the concrete or you can customize with beautiful stone or brick. A new staircase can dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home, giving it much better curb appeal. Make your front steps the talk of the town. Do it now. Springtime, great time to do it. Improve your home. The weather's nice. You'll be sitting out on your steps, hanging out in the lawn. And the neighbors will all look and say, great new front entrance you know, removing the stairs is tough. They'll handle all that. You can sit and watch if you want. Shay will take care of it all for you. When they're done, you'll have a great-looking new front entrance that will add value to your home. It's not an expense. It's an upgrade. It's an investment in your home. With one phone call, Shay will deliver a turnkey installation experience, and in a few hours, you get a brand-new front entrance. Learn more at shayconcrete.com. Also, you can look for a job at shayconcrete.com. Uh, all you got to do is pass a drug test. They have, they have these open positions, full-time positions, 15 uh, to 20 right now. These are career opportunities for, with a great company, great people. Just don't do drugs, kids. You can <laughs> you can get a job at Shake Concrete. All right, what are you texting me here, Ironhead? Uh, I said the Amber story as well. Oh, that's right. We got to mention Amber. We could we could do that tomorrow, but uh, let's do quick. Uh, of course, I don't. Uh, quick and uh, you tell me. Uh, Madonna tweeted this or Instagrammed this out, correct? Yes, yeah, she no TikTok TikTok this up. She's sixty three and she's on TikTok, but she did this the other day. And if someone else did this, I'd say that's bullying. That's cruel. She did this herself. And I'm struggling with this because obviously she is a scary looking old woman. She used to be pretty hot. Mm -hmm. She used to be obviously a great dancer, great performer, one of the biggest stars in the world. Well, some people rage against the dying of the light. Other people, they go straight to the cosmetic surgeon. And, you know, if it works, if you look good after you go to the cosmetic surgeon, you know, like me, then you, then you run with it. If it doesn't work, I would say dim the lights, maybe uh, stay off TikTok. But this is Madonna in a 30-second video. It doesn't say much. Just showing you her latest, you know, her latest work. And it just, 
doesn't, it's just so embarrassing and uncomfortable, but go ahead and play it. Uh, it. She obviously had her lips done, you know, had the lip, whatever enhancement. So she's showing it off. And I know she probably lives in a bubble. I know she probably, you know, I don't know. She doesn't have a guy and a visor or a close friend, but why would you ever think that's, that that works, that that's attractive, that that's appealing? Why? What kind of human being would tweet that, TikTok that and think people are going to love this. That is frightening. She comes up to the camera, opens up her big enhanced lips like she's going to kiss. It looks like it's, honest to God, like special effects. They made her look freaky. Her eyes are like half say, shut. They also look like a, an older pug that gets that milky blind eye. Both of them. <laughs> I got one of those. That, it doesn't look human. It looks like it's, and then that's Madonna. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's sad. She was the biggest star in the world. She's got millions and billions of dollars and all kinds of, and she can't handle it. She can't handle getting old. So this is what she does and thinks somehow that will be, I don't know, sultry, Ugh. seductive. I want to turn and run. Do you have my tweet or the tweet that I, not mine, the tweet that I retweeted? Let me pull that and up. I'll show you somebody who doesn't have a lot of work, who probably lives a very healthy life, eats right, works out. Susanna Hoffs, as you may not remember, with the Bengals. And I couldn't believe this. I had to look it up to confirm it. Susanna Hoffs, lead singer of the Bengals, is the same age as Madonna. And she looks just spectacular. She looks 30. And uh, oh, I don't yeah. want to see. Do you, do you have, do you have yeah, the, 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 the side by side? It's uh, it, it's hard to believe, but uh, and I don't know what her secret is. I haven't never read anything about um, her. Uh, that that's Susanna Hoffs, like recent, which looks remarkable. She she literally looks you know forty maybe, Madonna same age. Okay, kids or whatever adults, don't be Madonna. Don't be that pathetic. Or do drugs. Uh, well, don't do drugs or chemical, whatever, enhancements or cosmetic enhancements. All right, we don't have time to get back into Amber. We're working on getting Amber to join us. Amber, if you don't recall, yesterday uh, we talked about it. She's a writer for The Spectator, a young woman, feisty. She made a joke about Kamala Harris during the State of the Union because Kamala Harris was dressed all in brown. She said, Kamala looks like a UPS employee. What can brown do for you? Nothing good. Nothing happened for uh, a week or two. Was it? No, like almost a month. But then she talked about uh, trans kids and criticized people who want to chemically castrate children in the name of gender affirmation. That is a no-no these days, in case you're not aware. The trans mob is the most vicious, relentless of all the woke mobs. They came after, they used the pretense of the Kamala joke, which is what a lot of the media are talking about, the Kamala joke. But she literally writes that those people came after her after, long after the Kamala joke and demanded her firing under the, you know, they, they, they pretended it was about the Kamala joke. It wasn't, but they used it, pressured her bosses and cumulus, and they fired her ostensibly for that perfectly innocuous, innocent Kamala joke, which had nothing to do with race. She was dressed all in brown. 
and nobody cared about the joke for a month. I mean, I'm looking at it. March 1st is her tweet. She got fired this week, uh, uh, you know, a month and a half, a month and uh, uh, a week later. And she's not going quietly. She went on Tucker. She's feisty. She's cocky. She's, she's great. And she named names of the cumulus executives who fired her. She will get hired again by somebody because she's uh, got a great attitude. But this is what you got to do. This is what people got to do when the woke mob comes after you because they don't, this is not even for a reason. I mean, that joke is not, not offensive to anybody. The thing she said about trans youth being people, uh, uh, people supporting the chemical castration of children in the names of gender affirmation. That's insane. Of course. And they still forced her out. They still got her off the air at WML in Baltimore. It's disgrace, but she's going down fighting. We're going to hopefully get her on this show, but we'll be following that. She'll get hired by someone soon. Cause she was really good on Tucker, but hopefully she'll be on here with us and she'll be really good too. I, I got to go watch the part three in Augusta, you know, the part three with the kids and the wives and the final. Uh, actually, I don't even watch that, but uh, got to get ready for a uh, tiger tomorrow. But uh, sometimes we, there's great moments there though. Cause Jack Nicholas grandson getting the hole in one. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, there's, right. The, the caddies get to hit a shot. Uh, there's invariably a hole in one or maybe two holes in one. And they try to hit the ball over the water, which is pretty cool. I don't know. Anything to do with the Masters is is okay by me. But, uh, all right, we'll leave it there. Anything I missed today, Ironhead? Uh, no, I already told you the one I thought. I don't even know what you – what did you think? The, you know, the Amber one, I thought, just Yeah, in case. you're texting me. Just I'm saying, what the hell? You could have just jumped in and said, let's not forget Amber. I'm gonna. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I, I love this woman. I, I don't know. She's single? She's, she's kind of young for me, but – she, she was really good. If you haven't seen it on Tucker, check it out uh, on Twitter and uh, get ready for her to be a star because she is, she's, she's smart. She's not taking it. She's not rolling over. She's not apologizing. Not only is she, uh, she going down fighting, but she's naming names and I love it. So good luck to Amber Athey. I don't even know how, if that's how you say it. Athey, Athey. All right. That'll do it for today. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Thank you to Ironhead for putting us all together. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is The Callahan Show, and we will talk to you again tomorrow, Am Masters I Thursday. Night, shaking my head and thinking something ain't right. Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information.